Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown. I am one of your hosts, Matt Koplick. And I am one of your other many hosts, John Stephen Wiscavage. Ste- oh, are we adding middle names today? I just felt like it because my middle name has a PH and I feel like my PH balance is very effed up right now. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> even means. I've that. only ever read that. So guys, I'm actually really excited right now about this recording of this episode because this is what I would like to call our first like Broadway breakdown after hours like yeah. the midnight show so our schedules have been so crazy recently um and so we are currently recording after 9 p.m which is after my bedtime and if you hear the little like clinking of ice and glasses it's because we have in our hands actual I see. It's a mate. <laughs> no, I mean it's God's nectar. It's whiskey. So, yeah, we got um, ourselves some some whiskey. The air is uh, pungent with pumpkin cinnamon. Rolls. You guys, I literally walked in and I was like, Matt, have you like have you been baking Antian's pretzels? Like literally, it smells so amazing in here. Um, and so, but. Um, baking cinnamon rolls from scratch with is what Pum- pumpkin cinnamon rolls, yeah. Pumpkin cinnamon rolls, like my mind is spinning. It Autumnal is cin- cinnamon rolls. <laughs> it's not an easy. It's not they, an no. Easy they thing are to okay. Do. So, fun fact: it's actually my second batch today. I made a batch. Oh. I tried to make a batch earlier today. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Matt is like showing me these amazingly beautiful cinnamon rolls, and he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, like it's really hard to make cinnamon rolls. And I was like, well, actually, fun fact, I know. And I was like, I have a really sad story about making cinnamon rolls. And because today has been such a sad, not a sad day, I'm just like, I'm at wit's end today. I've worked for 12 it's hours straight. It's a long straight. day. Like, I worked for 12 hours straight. I worked at this new job at, that I've been doing at a tech startup, a theater tech startup. Then I babysat. And literally, like, the babysitting was fine. But it was one of those moments where, like, it was such a long day. I didn't eat dinner. I was so tired. And I sit down. And this kid is not going to bed, and I just sit on the couch, and I'm like, I, I like, I'm basically giving up. And the dog just comes without missing a beat. The dog comes right up and starts humping my arm, and I'm sitting on this couch, and I'm like, this is my life. Like, this is this is what following your dreams means. So, so it has I, been a long day's journey. It's been a tonight. long day's journey to this night. And so when Matt was like, oh, cinnamon rolls are hard, I was like, let me tell you my really sad story. So basically, a few years ago, when I first moved to this city, um, and I believed that romance was alive, I um. <laughs> I met this guy who I had, like, such a strong connection to. It was the first time in my life that I ever actually was simultaneously dating two guys at the same time. But I was not... I didn't even kiss either of them. I was like, I'm not going to kiss either of them because I'm a good Christian. And so, like, until I pick which one, like, I'm just going to, like, court two men. And so I finally, like, made a decision. And I was like, this is the one. Like, I really like this guy. And so, like... He didn't know this, but, like, we had never talked about being exclusive, and we'd literally been on, like, two dates. And so, like, I made this decision. And so, in my mind, I was like, so I have to, like, make this, I have to, like, seal the deal. So I wanted, it was right around Valentine's Day, and so I wanted to ask him to be my Valentine. Once again, I believed that love was alive. Um, And so I, he had always mentioned that he loved cinnamon rolls, so I 
one who had never baked in his life before. Literally, I baked sugar cookies once, and guess what I forgot to put in it? Sugar motherfuckers. (laughs) So I made salt cookies. (laughs) So I decided to take on the task of baking from scratch cinnamon rolls, and I decided to bake them in the shape of hearts. No. Wait, cinnamon rolls in the shape of hearts? So I, I, I had like a V point and then the cinnamon rolls were like the little like top rounded parts of the heart. So that's where the cinnamon like roll part came. And so the first batch turned out horribly. The second batch turned out beautifully. And actually one of my first jobs was a chocolate drizzler. So although like I was not... You and me both. Hmm, the videos are still online. Do not Google me. <laughs> so, Myvinster.com. Oh my God. So, but like, so I actually was like, I decorated them beautifully. Like they were so gorgeous. And I presented them to this guy and I was like, I know you love cinnamon rolls. And so I baked you these cinnamon rolls from scratch. It's really hard. Um, they're in the shape of hearts. Will you be my Valentine? And he's like, oh, yes. And then he ghosted me. He just like literally like l- could like and he ate the fucking cinnamon rolls. That motherfucking <laughs> dick. It's okay. He reached out years later because we actually went to the same school, but we didn't know each other in school. Mm -hmm. So, like, we have a lot of mutual friends. He reached out to me years later being like, I just want to apologize because that was one of the worst things I've ever done to anyone. And I was like, no, it's okay. Like, it didn't bother me at all. But, like, deep down I was like, yes, you should apologize. I mean, (laughs) cinnamon rolls are fucking hard. They are really hard. I mean, it has nothing to do with baking. But if we're trading, you know, awful stories like that, um, I... Only went on, like, two dates with this one guy. Like, had an amazing first date connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, like, a great second date. And he waited until after I spent the night to uh, slowly ghost me. Oh. And then finally, when I called him out on it, he was like, I'm actually not over my ex. Whom he broke up with two years prior. Uh, he went on to be on Broadway for a short while. Uh, Ladies say and gentlemen, that- and that is how Jeremy Jordan booked Newsies. <laughs> that is how Jeremy Jordan booked Newsies. That is my Harvey Weinstein story. <gasps> Too soon? No. no. Oh God. No. I mean, okay. I've, okay. What do you want to say about that? Let's. Go, are we gonna go into it? You know what? I wasn't gonna say anything about it, but I have a. We have a slight platform here. Yeah. So actually, when that started happening, I started. I was texting with a friend of mine who was a like, well-accomplished actor who is well-known and, you know, like, I I look up to very much. Mm -hmm. And kind of, like, a joke of of Harvey Weinstein, like, was brought up. Mm -hmm. And we started, like, slowly talking, and it kind of opened this conversation about how both he and I have had our fair share of, like, he actually more than I have, but of, like, of sexual assault in the musical theater community of like older gay men taking advantage of younger gay men. And it's mm-hmm. not it's not something that like enough people talk about. And actually a friend of mine posted a really kind of beautifully written post last night. Um he's a straight friend and he's he's such a sweetheart, but it was about literally being like a photographer literally started like massaging his gen like it was yeah. a, like literal like a molestation. Mm-hmm. And it's it's awful because it happens so much in this business and I know it happens to women so often and and they feel so powerless and it's just so sad because I was uh, t- by talking to this friend like you slowly start realizing like oh it's happening to not everyone but, but maybe a lot, a lot of people, people. You know, I have a I have a straight friend who he won't go into the details but he was like severely taken advantage of sexually by yeah. somebody and he like young naive guy he was in LA at the time and just sort mm-hmm. of yeah um like when you're 19 or, or 12 no there's no there's, age to no, it there's sorry no age to I it. take that back I'm speaking from like like personal what, experience yeah, but yes like you you have an you have an older person who you put all your faith and trust in and when that trust is broken it is just so disgusting and devastating and I I'm in full support and of, of, of the victims in this situation. And Absolutely. I just, my heart goes out to them. And it is, it's something that can only unfortunately get better the more people talk about it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it is very difficult to talk about. It is. I, it's, I, I have a sort of double-edged sword about it right now because I am very, uh, proud sounds condescending, but proud, I, I suppose, of the victims who have come forward and, yes. and have said something about it. Uh, my issue with this situation right now is this belief that 
Harvey Weinstein is the only evil out there, in right. re- especially in regards to this. And so him being uh, fired from his company by being divorced by his wife, like as if like yes, we did it. And it's and it's sort of like he, right, no, no, there is so much more this out is there. Nary the tip of the iceberg. And someone mentioned to me yesterday, it's like ironic that this that Harvey Weinstein is, you know going down to flames with this and the brian singer allegations nothing came of it yes. nothing and there are like yes. multiple people who came so forward so many yeah. yeah nothing came of it and noah galvin like called his shit out yeah. for it and, st- and like noah galvin got slack for it yeah, like he people did. attacked him about it it's so it's yeah basically the moral of the story is if there is a moral is that like people out there listeners you're not alone people will people want to listen and people care so yeah, even though I loved him in Hairspray. Fuck, no, I, sorry, I can't say that joke. <laughs> Delete it. Delete it in editing. Wait, I, who I was thinking? Oh, John Travolta? No, Harvey. I was Harvey Firestein? Harvey Firestein. Oh, so, no, he, well, he made a joke. He was like, I'm not the hobby that's being accused of sexual harassment. I know, but with a voice like that. I know. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow color. So, uh, for those of you who are unaware... The big Broadway musical revival of Carousel, uh, produced by Mr. Scott Rudin, directed by Mr. Jack O'Brien. They lost their musical car- direction by Andy Einhorn. Yes. What? Did, wait. He just did recently did what? Hello, Dolly. Yes. So I went to Breakfast at his house last weekend. So humble brag. So it's gonna. That's gonna. That's gonna. Those are me. Some crisp vocal arrangements. Yeah. So, uh, yes. A couple of weeks ago, Betsy Wolf was announced to no longer be in the show. The internet broke down for a slight second. We can we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Um, I have theories. Broadwayworld.com has theories, and my friend. I thought, Mark, I, th- I thought we know what happened. Do we know what happened? We'll get back to it. Okay, we'll get back to that because I've had a couple of other friends who come forward with possible ideas and tidbits of gossip, and this is not to put Betsy Wolf into a shady light, but like when something's so no, high profile. she was profi- my voice teacher for a long time. I love her. I mean, we're all, it's a high profile production. We were all very excited for her. So we were just curious to know why it didn't happen. But the good thing that came out of it is we now have a new Carrie, Miss Lindsay Mendez. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, John, have you ever heard Miss Lindsay Mendez sing legit soprano before? I have not. I have heard her sing Many different styles, mm-hmm. um, ranging from jazzy to pop to more. Not, I wouldn't say legit musical theater. You know, she. Uh, but I, I but, did see. But more, I did see her more, Golden Apple, and that was yeah. legit. But she was definitely like the jazzy song truce. Yeah, of that show. Yeah, but yeah, I I know I. So I had a friend text me today, mutual friend of ours, Mr. Mike, and he yeah. asked me, you know, does she sing legit? I was like. I don't know, I assume. So I was like, if she has a good enough legit, which I'm assuming she does, otherwise why would she get cast? She will most likely be incredible. Because, right. you know, no disrespect to Miss Betsy Wolf, who is a perfect, you know, on-paper choice. I will say, when it was announced that she was cast, I kind of knew the performance she was going to give as soon as I heard it. I am very excited to see what Lindsay Mendez does, because Lindsay Mendez is someone who... I'm never surprised by how good she is. I always know she's yeah. going to be good, but I'm always surprised by the choices she makes. Yes, same. And I think she will be similar with Carrie, and I think she will throw some shades to that role that we have not seen before. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, yes, I, I was so excited when Betsy was announced, but I did have an initial reaction of, I don't see her being like a super drastic, not that Carrie is exactly Julie's like foil, but I was I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of similar. Like, yeah. Like, and so I, I think I think Lindsay's going to be such a, a great contrast to Jesse Mueller's Julie that I think it's I think like three thumbs up and one of those thumbs is my penis. <laughs> Me. So like, get with you about it. Yeah. So honestly, it's um, I th- I think that her opening this kind of like vocal chapter in her life mm-hmm. it's gonna be great they, yeah scott rudin is not gonna cast like they, this no. team is not gonna cast someone well who cannot sing mr snow and give us chills no it's so it's i'm very fascinated to see what she does and i'm actually thrilled that she's been cast i think 
I'm because I'm so fascinated to see what happened. That's what makes me so excited about it. Um, what also makes me interested about it now, more interested than it was before, was when Bessie Wolf was cast. It was very clear to me that the only principal characters of color were Billy Bigelow and Jigger mm. Cragen. And yeah. I was concerned, and then I will say the poster work for the show did not do any favors to me in this respect either. I was concerned that Jack O'Brien's vision, quote unquote, for the carousel was that it was going to be about race and how the society and about how our society or the system in general is uh, has a vendetta against men of race, mm. which is very true. And like, there could be a lot of colors to the show in that respect, but I don't think that's. A, what the show is initially about, and B, if you make the show about that, you lose a lot of other stuff because yeah. of it. To imply that the only reason why Billy can't get work after he's fired from the carousel is because he's black, I think robs Billy of a lot of other complexities. Because it's not—the thing the show is trying to say is that it's not society that's keeping Billy from working, it's Billy that's keeping Billy from working. And what is it exactly about Billy that keeps him from getting other jobs? Yeah, um, I, I honestly hadn't thought of that before, um, but I, I totally see your point. Yeah, I, I, but I do also see the idea of if, if his vision is slightly revolved around how, let's just, you know, like how obviously racist the society we live in is. Sure. It's, it lends itself to that, but. But, but now what makes me excited is that now that Lindsay Mendez is cast, we have a Latina actress in the role of Carrie, as well as they just also announced that an African-American actor is playing the Starkeeper. Yes. And so now I wonder if they're going to just go for a more sort of broad, colorblind, all-inclusive casting like the like the 94 revival, right. which was sort of Nicholas Heiner's vision for that was the show is a fable, and thus I think that all races should be in it. And it actually helps the audience jump to act two when they go into the afterlife into heaven because you don't look at it and go, oh, this is so very clearly 1880s New England. Like you look and you go, this is a musical. This is a Broadway musical, a fable, you know, complete realism is out the door, but the heart and human emotion is in there. Um, So I'll be interested to see if they still kind of go in that approach. But it was one of the things that kind of initially – gave me pause not because i thought it was a bad idea but because i was concerned that that was going to be the big broad stroke they were going to put on the show Mm. and while i think that is a very interesting concept i carousel is for me again it's my favorite musical so i'm biased but i think there's so much complexity to it that if you just go with one broad stroke you're going to lose so much yeah i mean we 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 saw that with fiddler on the roof with their with their quote-unquote uh concept um I, I don't. I don't. Schindler's th- List, Red Cook. I, I don't. I don't think that it. I don't think the production. Actually, I had never seen a production of Fiddler before that, so I actually completely loved that production. Mm-hmm. But I went away from it going, I loved it, but the framing device, unnecessary. No, unnecessary. So, so yeah, painting in broad strokes like that. Yeah, I. Yeah. I agree. It's. Um, I have opinions about that revival too, but <laughs> that's not what today's about. No, folks. it's not today. You know, I've always wanted to do a an immersive production of Carousel where. Every audience member gets hit by Billy Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! You know, so many people would pay like good money to to see that at BAM. Oh my like, god! Like yeah. an immersive production where like just to get smacked. Maybe, by Joshua maybe Henry. as I say, maybe also I'm just now imagining myself getting hit by Joshua Henry. And mm-hmm. um, if you could please just like pause for a second, everyone there, because that's what just like my sultry midnight voice. Actually, actually, my like nose—you can you can literally hear just like the air scraping between my nodules. <laughs> Wait, um, actually, I want to I want to get back on topic for a second because how dare you? How dare no, you well, want to get back? On well, topic. not a carousel topic, but I want to get on the topic of about casting announcements because last time we recorded, another big casting bomb dropped. Yes, you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> I, I will remember once you bring it up, but I literally my uh, brain is so fried. Speaking of Fiddler, same director. Different oh. producers. She could have pranced all night. But the thing is, I actually don't know My Fair Lady that well. Okay. And I do not know um, her work. Uh, Lauren Ambrose. Okay. I, I, I know, but I it was a controversy. It apparently. was controversy, yeah. So uh, because I am the one who did watch many uh, viewings of Audrey Hepburn and My Fair Lady and listened to the OBC for many, many years. There's actually literally a, um, a, like a, a painting of Audrey Hepburn sitting right 
Actually, right behind I, I feel like me have, right now. I'm going to Instagram story Please this. Please do it. Please do it. Um, you just um, keep talking while sure. I Instagram Sure. No, story I mean, this. my mother and I are, are both very obsessed with Audrey Hepburn, and I like to think that I came to that obsession on my own, but now that I think about it, I do think my mom cultivated that in me. But, um, yeah, so I am very in love with the show My Fair Lady. I think it's a brilliant show, very beautifully done. Uh, I am probably one of the few people who is super pumped about Lauren Ambrose as Eliza Doolittle. There's a lot of talk because she was supposed to be Fanny Bryce mm, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. So was, and everybody's making jokes about, oh, will this happen? Correct me if I'm wrong. The casting controversy came from alliteration, you guys. The casting mm. controversy came from the fact that people think she's too old or she's or, or I, I was very it was confused a combination about of it. things. It was People, some people thought she was too old, and it, this is probably the first time I can think of where the Higgins is younger than the Eliza. Uh, although I don't honestly think that's what Bartlett Sher's concept is, because Lauren Ambrose is going to be forty by the time this production opens. If you look at the picture of her she, today, she, she just, looks she, th- yeah, she does not look forty. No, she could pass her thirty easily. Um, that said, the other controversy was all the other women who were being considered for the show, and apparently all whom auditioned for it as well. Like, there are some Broadway ladies who apparently are kind of pissed that they had to jump through these hoops, and then Lauren Ambrose got it. Uh, Laura Benanti being one. Uh, Laura Benanti was considered. There were, When Betsy Wolf was announced she wasn't going to be in Carousel anymore, everyone's like, is she our Eliza Doolittle? People were expecting Philippa Sue. All, like, all... all perfectly lovely choices yeah but similar to Lindsay mendez in carousel lauren ambrose is the only person whose name is thrown into the ring where i'm like okay i think this can be brilliant i don't know what she's gonna do but i have faith that it's gonna be brilliant whereas laura benanti god bless her she's a phenomenally talented woman and i've enjoyed her on stage many a time if she had been announced for eliza doolittle i would have known exactly the performance she was gonna give and that's not a bad thing because the performance I was imagining was a good one. Sure, but there's she's, there's something. There's no denying her talent. No, like no one can. An, no, she's an exceptionally talented woman. Like her performance in Gypsy, it remains one of my top top tops. But I will say, like there is an the element of surprise with Lauren Ambrose is what I think is going to make that production so essential because we don't want to go into a revival knowing what to expect. We want to go in being blown away by what we're feeling all anew. We want to go in being slapped by Joshua Henry. This exactly. is what I'm saying. This is what we're all Jack, saying. Jack, I know you're listening. Listen, Jack, We all. this is what we all want. Um, <sighs> the biggest thing about it uh, for me, and I tweeted it from our account, but nobody paid attention, was that Diane... Because we also, we were like following 12 people. We have 12 followers. I kind of forgot yeah. how to Twitter. I like, I, I started like trying to get followers the other day or not trying to get like I was following people mm-hmm. to like because when you follow people that's when they would notice you yeah exactly and I literally was like searching for followers and I was like why can't I find anyone <laughs> sorry that's such a tangent but like literally I like I was I put theater in the bar to be like oh I'm sure this will bring up like Broadway world yeah. this 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 like nothing showed up so I was like Twitter is dead cool yeah. but yes sorry tangent tangent but so you tweeted this yeah the other I tweeted day. this the other day the, the, as much as I'm obsessed with the idea of <laughs> Sorry, John just burped into his own hand. Well, because uh, I don't want to burp into the microphone. Well, I thought you were going to cough, so I was going to give you a moment. But the biggest thing for me was that it's the return to the stage of Diana Rigg. And that is, like, the big thing. Okay, so I know, like, insert all your gay gasps here. I don't know who that is. <gasps> and I, everyone's been posting about her being like, oh my god, Diana Rigg. And I know that I could easily Google her, but like I've said, life has been, like, really busy recently. So. Oh my god. So you lose your bottoming card for that. You now like I'm using it. <laughs> what? Um, so go I'm ahead. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. Aren't you in a relationship? Yes, but I'm busy. Do you think I want to <laughs> do that? Do you think I want to do that when I'm busy? No, we're all soups busy. Dinah Rigg is a Tony-winning, I believe, Oscar-nominated actress as well. She is like a big British. She was started off as a big British TV star. She was in the movie version of Little Night Music. She was Charlotte. She was the only reason to watch that movie. I started watching the movie and I fell asleep. It's, so. No, it's absolute, it's absolute shite. And I love. I look forward to one day discussing why it's shite. But she's the only reason to watch it. She also has gotten sort of a career resurgence by being on Downton... Uh, not Downton Abbey. Uh, Game of Thrones uh, the last year or two. Uh, I've never watched that show. Neither have I. But I know a lot of people who are obsessed with her on it. And she's great. So I'm assuming she's wonderful. She uh, won a Tony for playing Medea back in the 90s. Like she's... she's and goes to jail or goes to college? 
Medea goes to the Tony Awards, is what she was in. Uh, Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow color. You're the top. I think I think My Fair Lady and Carousel have the potential to both be phenomenal. And if they are, if they are, like, how lucky are we? Because we know that we, let's be real, we all know Once on this Island is going to be great. Like, yeah. there's... As I was not the biggest fan of the Spring Awakening revival, but I do know. Oh, really? I loved it. I didn't dislike it. My issues with it were more technical, like pacing wise and like transition wise. I was like, Michael Arden, not every long pause is important. But that oh, is something you see, learn. Really? Yeah. I, I feel like you and I have actually really similar opinions a lot of the times. So I want to kind of dig into this for a second. Sure. I loved the Spring Awakening revival. I loved the fact that he dug into those long pauses Mm -hmm. because it gave us a chance to like kind of step into the, like I loved the, the use of silence in that show. I'm not talking silence in terms of the deafness. I'm talking literally in terms of silence. There was, there were three different scene transitions in that show. One specifically of when Venla went to the abortionist. And two other ones as well that were similar, but not, though not Which as long. Which was my favorite kid's book. <laughs> Vendla, <laughs> Vendla goes to the abortionist. Oh, no. Oh. I think we just found the title. See Vendla run. I think we just Vendla found, runs fast. I think we just found abort, the title for Vendla, our... Abort, Abort. I'm speaking right now. I think we just found the title for our episode, John. Oh, no. Vendla goes to the abortionist. No! Oh. Yes. But so that... That transition, in addition to two other ones, where there was, like, a very long pause where, like, she throws her daughter off stage and then everyone on stage is just silent as she, like, slowly walks off stage, basically sending her daughter off to her death. And it's not that... I think that would have meant more to me, that moment, if there weren't so many other moments like it in the production. My thing about Spring Awakening, and, like, I was a New York City teenager when Spring Awakening first came to Broadway, so I was all up in there, uh... Spring Awakening is a beautiful show, but it's a super pretentious show as well. And I don't think you need to have Kathleen Marshall style Swiss Army Watch Musical Theater training to work against that pretentiousness to make it really flow. And there were a lot of moments in that revival that I thought were beautiful. Some beautiful imagery. All the performances were stellar. Like they I were stellar. Like it was it was a fantastic ensemble. The lighting was beautiful. Like Michael Arnold came up with some beautiful imagery. Don't get me wrong. And I would have loved the production more if a little more of that musical theater training had kicked in as a director for him where it's like we have to pick up the pace for this because if we want this moment to land half an hour later we can't have a drag Mm. and that was sort of my issue with it was i was like i would feel so much more right now if i wasn't sitting for the last 20 minutes going this should all be like half a beat faster See, I never felt that way. I completely like I completely disagree. I thought the pacing was so wonderfully timed out. It's matter of opinion, guys. Yeah. And like But you know what? I'm also like one of the people who saw this She Loves Me revival and was like not thrilled either. Mm. For opposite reasons. She loves me was the opposite. I was like, this is too fast, too splashy, too like heartless musical comedy like they're we need to slow down for a second and feel these apparently you and i have very different tastes on revivals we do what what oh my god wait so what did what did you think of the (laughs) revival um i actually loved it a lot it was my first professional production i've seen i've seen uh collegiate productions of before um I, I really loved it. I thought it was super fresh. I, I didn't think it was without fault. I didn't think it was perfect. Mm-hmm. But I really loved it. I, I um I enjoyed it that it was like a little splashy. Like I don't know, like I think sometimes like I think sometimes roundabout like leans a little too into the fact that like we're old shows funded by old people and our we know you, our audience, are just old people. What? So here you go. Here's so- an old show. Someone once told me like <laughs> Roundabout, white people in living rooms. <laughs> it literally, it, I mean, it is. It is. No, absolutely. And I, and don't get me wrong. I love Roundabout. I, I, I love so many things about Roundabout. I, I can't even begin to name all the things I love about Roundabout. But I don't know. I, I, I found it like a little, I found it, I found that revival like a little extra splashy and I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that they, I mean, like, I, not splashy. I don't, I don't know. No, like, but no, little, splashy is definitely for me what it was. I don't know. She Loves Me is another show that is very close to my heart. I think it's one of the few, like, perfect musicals. Where, like, there's not, yes. a, there's not a moment wasted in that show. Mm-mm. Everything works. And it is a musical comedy. I am aware of that. But it is a musical comedy about full-on human beings. And I think that... I think my issue with the She Loves Me revival... And I don't... This is... Again, I cannot stress this enough. This was not me 
saying that the Spring Awakening revival was bad or the She Loves Me revival was bad. This is me saying things that I felt were keeping me from full on like loving it. Mm. Um, the She Loves Me revival, I just thought was sometimes a little too shallow. There were moments where I was like, you are too concerned about making this appealing to a modern Broadway audience in terms of like who are expecting a big Broadway musical and not tapping into what makes this show work. And mm. a moment for me that perfectly exemplified this was the ending of the show where like the cues were just like going back and forth back yeah, and forth the, the, and I was end, like, the ending was super rushed i will yeah. agree with that and if you go to youtube I, I don't know if anyone remembers last episode i mentioned an account aurora spider woman this account has like six videos from the last revival she loves me with boyd Gaines and judy kuhn which i fucking love that recording it is a st- the only thing wrong with it is that judy kuhn's not actually on it i know because wait it's not. It's not Ruthie Henshaw. Who is it? It's, it's, um, uh, it's Ruthie who replaced did, her. Uh, Ruthie Henshaw did the London. She one did of the that. West End production. Yes. Her name's um, Diane Frantantoni, I believe. Something. I love her voice. She's fantastic. This is not me saying anything bad about her. She's wonderful. Even with her, it is like my personal favorite. She loves me recording. If Judy Kuhn had been that on that recording, though, it would have been like top ten recordings of my life. Um, and even with the smaller orchestra, I still prefer it to the She Loves Me revival because I don't. I felt the orchestrations in the 90s production had just more character to it. It yeah. wasn't about being lush. It was about being synced in it with was, the It was being actors. a music box. Yeah. It, was, it was a beautiful little music box production. But if you do go to YouTube eventually to look at it, um, they do show the final scene of that revival back when Judy Kuhn was in it. And the amount of time that Scott Ellis allowed them to have to just avoid Gaines and Judy Kuhn just like connecting and realizing – what could have been and then her knowing who he is it's like it goes on for like six minutes hmm. and it does but it doesn't feel long yeah it, it all feels earned totally yeah. and i thought that the she loves me revival was a little too concerned about like it was i thought it would have been a perfect production if they had not taken that one line of coke i was like just maybe like leave it alone and just like you know go with the real pace but all right but that's that no i mean <laughs> It's sorry that was a super actually I guess like we didn't plan it but this has been a an episode of revivals and yeah. and um I'm glad we kind of leaned into that for a sec for a yeah. second um for like a real quick like work sesh like honestly we just like lab we oh did, like God. a little lab workshop of it but um I I think yeah I don't know I kind of like I like when we differ in opinions I like that we Absolutely. agree I would like when we agree a lot of the times but. I definitely, I definitely do not share, like, I think that the Spring Awakening Revival, like, totally surpassed the original. Mm-hmm. And so, that's the beauty of theater, you guys. Like, we all have separate opinions, and, like, honestly, everything is just so great and beautiful. We have two notes of business to get into tonight. One on my part, one on John's part. Mine is super quick, so I will go. I will right. go first. Basically, I just want to update you guys on the foot fetishist, and the update is there is really not an update. I am sorry to say that for right now we are on a standstill because he never responded to my reach out. I don't know if I don't know if maybe because other people have responded to him in the past. Uh, he's like that that were digging for information he kind of like saw a red flag and was like i'm not gonna respond to this person or maybe i don't know i actually don't know what happened and everyone that i've reached out to who who was on different flyers of his quote-unquote work um has not responded to me either i did however have a friend tell me who has listened to the podcast say that they actually when they first moved to the city fell victim to a foot fetishist scheme like almost but they were not they tried to find the email for me and they could not find it and so they i cannot confirm or deny that it's a different foot fetishist but basically they submitted themselves for a film like it was supposed to be like a film reel for this art show or something about like with like socks and sneakers and basically this guy asked him to send him back a video of him just like moving in socks, moving in sneakers, and then smelling his own feet. And so he just stopped responding. Um, and so that kind of opened like a weird door of like, is there 
are there more? And that also in, in the kind of like light of older gay men in this business taking advantage of younger gay men, it kind of shed that light and, my, and like, oh my God, is this happening like way more than we realize even in this aspect? Oh my God, everyone's a foot fetish. So oh my God, we've all been like taken advantage of like, hide your feet, hide your kids, hide your wives. <laughs> no. um, but unfortunately that is my update right now. Other than this kind of like empty lead that this friend uh, had, I, I don't have anything to share. I'm going to keep searching because I kn- a lot of people have reached out to me saying that they are very interested and invested, as as am I. Like, I really want to... I really want to get down to at least, like, a little bit of understanding still as to why this is happening. But maybe I never will. Maybe... Is this my cereal? Am I was I, just going to say! Like, like, am I Sarah Koenig? Like, is that who that is? I, think full disclosure, I never actually listen to cereal. <gasps> think about what you did last Thursday. Can you remember? Can you remember who you are? The answer for me is no. Um, so I so don't even remember it. what we just talked about today. I finished my second <laughs> glass of whiskey. You're still on your first. And fun fact, you guys, uh, Matt now has to finish us off, and he has finished his second glass of whiskey. So buckle up, buttercups, because I feel like it's about to be a fun ride, because what do we have next, Mathieu? So those of you who listened last week, this is the week where we finally reveal our third jukebox, that musical. Bum, bum, bum. Except it's happy, so it's like, Bum, bum, bum. It's like a little more major, I guess. Yeah. That's why it's, nosy it's very... soprano voice. <laughs> you keep saying nosy. You don't have nose. Yes, I do. <laughs> hey, I'm Jennifer Tilly. I'm your <laughs> special guest speaker today. Oh my god, I I'm, can't. I'm I have to. no response to that. It's okay. So this is the new jukebox mu- that musical, Sickening, a musical adaptation of All About Eve using the song catalog of Taylor Swift. Now, I did give a clue two episodes ago about this musical. Yes. I said it was a jukebox musical based on a movie that's already been turned into a musical. That musical was a musical called Applause, starring Lauren Bacall. Is that what that is? That's all about Eve, yeah. I had no idea. And they like made it full on 1970s. Applause, applause, applause. I don't know or, what the happened. Lauren Bacall's, I feel twitchy and bitchy and manic, but alive. Anywho, maybe I don't have nodes. Maybe maybe the nodesy person in this room is not not I. Yeah, it's it's me channeling Lauren McCall. So, <laughs> All About Eve is a very classic movie, 1940s, starring Betty Davis, about the theater industry and about women specifically, and about their place once they reach a certain age. And it is amazing. I highly recommend you watch it. Super quotable. It's incredible. So, John has never seen the movie, so so far he will have a difficult time distinguishing what is originally the movie plot and what is me adding what I call Evo Van Hoffe Andy Blankenbuehler uh, flourishes. Dear God. I'm simultaneously rolling my eyes and wet. So continue. <laughs> okay. So I also wrote this six days ago and have not looked at it since. Great. Great. Here we go. Two glasses of whiskey. Here we go. The curtain rises to reveal New York City 1955. Possibly. What? <laughs> The set is a bunch of separate chrome towers and blocks that constantly change color. They also shuffle around the stage a la the Dreamgirls light towers. Okay. Again, this makes is sense. Evo Van Hoppe. Yeah. Uh, due to their ultra shiny surface and the really bright lighting, the audience is briefly blinded at the beginning of the number. Right off the bat. Dis- like Whoa. Directing tip 101, right off the bat, disable your audience. Once their eyes adjust, the ensemble sings... I'm, I'm, I'm putting an end to this. I'm leaving. No, You're, no you have to know what happens next. Eve Harrington, played by RuPaul's Drag Race contestant Valentina, oh? <laughs> enters the stage carrying a tattered suitcase and a knockoff Burberry coat buttoned up to her neck. Even though it is 1955-ish, the Andy Blankenbuehler-like choreography has a lot of pops, locks, and body rolls. Sure, bandstand. Sure, yeah. I get it. Every time the entire cast does a body roll in sync, the music will cut out for a brief moment of... We first dropped our back... Back rolls. No! (laughs) (laughs) 
That was Alyssa Edwards, everybody. For those of you wondering, that John is so shook, his head is in his hands. So, even though Eve Harrington is center is in the center of the entire number, she never actually dances or sings. She is often lifted by chorus boys or danced around. It is very Jan Maxwell in Story of Lucy and Jesse. One of the giant chrome buildings lights up with the marquee, Margot Channing in Angel in the Woods. Eve sees it and runs off stage. The song comes to a close as a red velvet curtain drops to the front of the stage. The curtains then part to reveal Margot Channing, the biggest Broadway star taking her last curtain call in that dress that T-Swift wore in the Blank Space music video. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Margot is, of course, played by Drag Race winner Bianca Del Rio. Oh, what a twist. Bianca has been cast, obviously, because of the similarities she has between her and Betty Davis and Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Primarily her bitchery and smoky, husky voice. Yeah. Uh, the, cur- uh, uh, the curtains open to suddenly reveal the backstage of Margot's show. Full on chaos. Margot goes on a tirade, yelling at her sassy dresser and confidant, Bertie, played by Jane Howdyshell. Howdyshell? Howdy Shell! Oh Howdy my Shell. god, that's so funny. That's like the fifth time people have been talking about casting her in like bit roles today. In that's what life. she does. Howdy Shell. As well as her other best friend, Karen, played by Renee Lee Scoldsberry. Oh. Karen is also the wife of Lloyd, the playwright of Margot's show. In the movie and in the show Applause and All About Eve, Lloyd is actually a character. However, in my version, Lloyd will never be seen on stage but constantly referenced to a la Stanley Walker and Will and Grace. Karen says in an ex- she says in an exposition heavy way, Margot, you are the biggest star on Broadway. Your show is a hit, and you have a hot as hell younger boyfriend who is also the star director of this play that my husband wrote for you. Don't Just you- how people talk. <laughs> Just how people talk. Don't you see how lucky you are? In that moment of contemplation, Margot comes downstage in a spotlight and admits she's lashing out purely because she's now approaching middle age and fearful that there will be a lack of leading roles for women over the age of 40. This is no longer a problem today. (laughs) Elaine, can you sing this with me? I'll I'll drink drink to to that. (laughs) Margot then sings The Lucky One. As she sings, as she sings, two ensemble members, most likely former cast members from An American in Paris, do a hardcore ballet interlude. Hardcore. Ex- hardcore. They ex- explaining the uh, to the audience Margot's fear that Bill, her boyfriend, will leave her because he might find her too old. Ironically, the ensemble member portraying Dream Ballet Margot is 24. <laughs> At that exact moment, Eve barges in. Eve Harrington, played by Valentina, barges in. But like in a demure, mousy way that's non-threatening. She tells everyone she had to meet Margot because she is her biggest fan and came straight from Iowa just to meet her. Margot is reluctant until Eve tells everyone how she lost her husband in the war and spent the last two years following Margot's national tour. Bertie asks, which war did he die in? To which Eve says, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so then... Uh, Margot, uh, uh, Karen tells Margot to use her as a personal assistant. Margot then says, Really, Queen? I love that this show is a mix of everything ever gay. Like, literally. That's why it's called sickening. I know, but like, literally, if, like, if the audience cannot buy poppers at this production, (laughs) what is the point of it? She then relents, though. To celebrate Eve's first night in New York City, Margot and Karen take her out on the town. Eve keeps her closely buttoned-up knockoff Burberry coat on. Margot starts to sing. Birdie is with them at first, but then walks off stage because Jane Howdyshell has it in her contract that she doesn't do ensemble dance numbers. Yes, yes she does. It's a well-known fact. The set also has two treadmills on the stage, like the original production of Annie. Of course. Yes. Of course. They go in opposite directions constantly, as well as the multicolored chrome towers. We get to see Margot take the girls out on the town. We start at a swing club, then we see a go-go dancer in a cage, and then we see a fight with a geisha sword fights with a drunken man, which sounds super random, but this is something I actually saw happen on the stage during Lazarus, directed by Eva Van Hoffe. So, yep. Yep. bring it back I- in. They are, there are multiple body rolls. Back rolls. As the song progresses, we see Eve incorporating herself into Margot's life. 
There's an instrumental break of the song where Margot and Bertie head back to the theater for the matinee of her show and walk into Margot's dressing room, which is the only set piece that is specifically detailed as a metaphor that the only place an actress can truly claim is real and her escape from the time and gender-bending inconsistencies of the outside world is her dressing room. My jaw is on the floor for multiple reasons because I am so into that symbolism <laughs> and the fact that you also got that all out of your mouth space. You sound whiskeys. like my grinder guy yesterday. <laughs> no, in or out? Which way is well, he? Which way is he doing this? Sorry, kids. I know that you're all like twelve listening to this. Yeah, they're all fancies. It's fine. <laughs> you gotta learn somehow. You know what I mean? So right before the button of twenty-two, Margot sees Eve trying on one of her costumes in the mirror. It's very awkward. Birdie does the Alyssa Edwards tongue click, and then the lights go out. Oh my god. One morning, one morning, a few days later, Margot gets a surprise in bed. Bill, the hot young director boyfriend played by Corey Cott, walks in. Perfect casting. He just flew back from L.A. to start working with playwright friend Lloyd on the new play they're going to write for Margot. Bill is going to direct it again. Also, it's Bill's birthday tomorrow, so Eve planned a, bur- a party without Margot's knowledge. Margot is getting sick of Eve. <laughs> Bill calms Margot down for the party. They sing... And Bill gives Margot a rose, which Eve sees from behind the door. At the party, Margot gets drunk and irrational and meaner to Eve. She kind ta- of like what's happening tonight. Very <laughs> she- drunk and irrational. Not meaner. Yeah. No, not yet. <laughs> she takes a steak knife and plunges it into Bill's birthday cake, a oh! la the Blank Space music video. <laughs> Everyone starts to sing a reprise of 22, but in a minor key to let us know that this is Margot's party life turning on her in a dark way. Can I try that real quick? Yeah. I don't know about you, I'm feeling 22. 22. That's all I know about that song. There's an, there's, that's all you need to know. We then meet Broadway gossip columnist Addison DeWitt, played by RuPaul. <laughs> Addison befriends Eve, who is cleaning up Bill's stabbed birthday cake. Addison then tells Bill, Corey Cott, to let Eve audition for Margot's understudy position, Bill tells Addison that Margot already has an understudy, to which Addison says, but like, does she really? <laughs> this convinces Bill, <laughs> who lets Eve audition the next morning. Uh, Margot hears of this, then says, one big, really queen, <laughs> and then passes out. A single rose petal falls from the flies in total silence. Once it has successfully hit the stage, blackout. The next day, Margot goes to the theater to find out that Eve has successfully auditioned for her understudy. Eve finally whips off her fake Burberry coat to reveal a beautiful turquoise jumpsuit, like the one Valentina wore on season 9. Yeah, I remember it well. She then struts off the stage. Margot sings, I knew you were trouble. As she does, multiple ensemble girls dressed as Eve come on stage via the two treadmills. They each pose, pop, and lock, and do body rolls. Back rolls. <laughs> Every time. Never it's gonna so get old. Never gonna get old. <laughs> While Margot is constantly walking through them on the treadmill, never getting any further along, and constantly overwhelmed by the eaves taking over her life. As the song comes to an end, Bianca then shouts, Bianca slash Margo then shouts, Baby, now we got bad blood. Blackout. Oh, man. Followed by an hour-long intermission where all the grinder gentlemen have to line up to get into the bathroom eventually. Poppers will be sold at a concession stand. Many a poppers. Mm-hmm. Many, many an Andy Bleckenbuehler poppers and lockers. Some queens in the audience may not need it. A, because they're just that loose, and B, because the show has gotten them there. Kind of kind of like the first time I saw Jessie Mueller. Like, literally, when she hit that note and at every day at 7, I was like, I'm loose. I'm oh, that ready. was the first time you saw her live? Yeah. I when was the first that. time you had seen her? First time I saw her live was Into the Woods in Central Park. Oh. And she was good in that, but, like, she nowhere was. near the revisal. Like, literally, my friend and I went to see the On a Clear Day revisal, like, not knowing what to expect. And we had no idea who this girl was. Mm-hmm. And she sang that song and literally... We turned to each other and said at full voice, oh my fucking God. Yeah. Like, it was a 
a star twas born. It was. So yeah, yeah. so Poppers, Jesse Mueller, bathroom. Act two. The curtain rises. Margot is lashing out at everyone, especially Eve. Karen takes pity on Eve and asks Margot to take it easy on her. Margot says, Need help packing? Beat it, queen. Karen then goes to Eve and schemes with her. They decide Karen is going to take Margot out to the country for a, for a day and then mess up the returning to New York City so that Eve has to go on for the role as a way to teach Margot a lesson. We then do a massive scene change into the country. All of the chrome blocks turn around to reveal majestic, beautifully detailed trees and meadows. A treadmill carries on a couch and a fully stocked bar cart. I love a majestic meadow in a show. I just want to say that really quickly. Me too. It's the one thing Big Fish had to offer. Did it though? They had a majestic meadow. Yeah. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Big Fish sucks. <laughs> so. Oh my god, get the whiskey on us and we just will tear apart Whatever. Big Fish. I'm never going to work again. It's fine. Oh, so, Margo and Karen enter, complaining about the car not being able to start, which of course Karen messed with, as we all know. Right, right, right. Renee Lee Skoltry does like a big double take to the audience and we're all like, we know. They decide to get drunk and sing Style. Oh. We'll never go out of style. Rekindling their friendship. Karen feels sad about betraying Margot and confesses what she did. The chrome towers turn around again and we are back in New York City. Eve is great in Aged in the Woods and invites all of the New York City press, including Addison DeWitt, to see her. Backstage, Eve tells hot director Bill about how she met her dead husband, where she sings, You Belong With Me. The song then continues, and she uses the song as a way to try and seduce Bill by ending it by offering him a red rose. Oh, what but, a twist. But Bill is having none of it. While this is happening, Addison DeWitt, once again played by RuPaul, yes. is waiting behind her uh, stage, uh, her dressing room door and hears everything. He offers to take Eve out for tea. <laughs> The next day, Bill sees Margot, who has seen Addison's review of Eve, throwing shade at Margot by saying that Eve is wonderful and also age-appropriate for the role. (gasps) Bill tells her it's all okay, and there's nothing to worry about, and there's still the next play. He leaves Margot, and she sings, Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Which has a double meaning because the play is also called Aged in the Woods. Jane Hattieshell comes on to remind her that she's still there. <laughs> and she tells Margot that hey. she's got to be stronger than this. They both sing Shake It Off. Oh, The yes. two dance together, and Margot has an epiphany at the end of the song, which we find out what that epiphany was in the next scene. That night at dinner, Margot tells Karen and Bill, Lloyd is in the bathroom, that she proposed to Bill and they're gonna get married. Eve walks in wearing a floor-length white Valentino gown and asks to take Karen into the bathroom. She blackmails Karen for the lead in Lloyd's new play because she'll tell Margot what Karen did about the car in the country. (gasps) Karen says to Eve that she's now seeing her true side, to which Eve sings, Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. While they sing, the ensemble women dance in the occupied bathroom stalls. <laughs> Which I'm like laughing at, but then I'm like, oh yeah, nine to five. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, there's been a precedent set. Andy Blankenbuehler. Yeah. The song ends with Eve taking the rose out of Karen's hair and putting it in her mouth. The gasp. Symbolism. Symbolism. Karen goes, uh, Karen goes back to her table where Margot says she doesn't want to do the new play, wanting to take the year off for her marriage. This relieves Karen, but she and Bertie discuss the bitchery of Eve and discuss a way to get her what she wants, but with strings. The two get so worked up by their plans, they accidentally make out. I, you know, pause. 
if I had a nickel for every time that happened, when I literally was like trying to make a plan, the Google calendar's out, I'm like making making things happen, and like suddenly my tongue ends up entwined with another t- tongue. Honestly, yeah. Tuesdays. Jane okay. Hattishell then represses the rest of her urges while Karen goes back off stage to be married to Lloyd. Sure. Birdie, again, Jane Hattishell, says she has an idea and calls up Addison and asks if he can go digging around on Eve. Transition to out of town of Eve's new play. Addison and Eve walk on one of the treadmills, but stop center stage when Eve tells Addison she's going to have Lloyd leave Karen for her. Addison tells Eve he knows she's a fraud and therefore he owns her. She was married, but she left her husband and her name's not really Eve. It's Janet. I made that up. It is true, though. She has a fake name. But you just decided Janet yeah. was... was and because he knows one. all this about her, he's going to blackmail her and she's going to do whatever he says from then on. To which she sings an acoustic reprise of Look What You Made Me Do. Ooh. She will star in the play, but everything she does from then on is his decision. That summer, everyone is at the Tony Awards. Margot presents Eve with her award. Backstage, the two have an all-out brawl. Eve says none of this matters because she's off to Los Angeles and her fans adore her on social media, which Margot yells for clarity on what decade they're actually in. (laughs) Eve shouts, baby, we got bad blood. The audience gasps in anticipation for the song they've been waiting for. Instead, the two start a pas de deux that goes on for the entirety of blank space. What? (laughs) The two twirl, whip out roses to throw at each other, and then end by almost kissing due to mad passion. They are then interrupted by Addison, who has to take Eve home before she leaves for Los Angeles in the morning. Bill comes on to take Margot home and asks if everything's all right. Margot says, lovingly, Really, queen? Sings one verse of You Belong With Me, and they walk off. (coughs) The treadmill brings Eve and Addison on stage to Eve's apartment to find a young chicklet on the couch who broke into Eve's apartment for her autograph. Eve says she like an be- actual chicken, like chicklet, like a oh. like a young like a young fancy. Oh. Eve says she'd be blessed to give her one, and then asks if she can pack up her clothes for her while she sleeps on the couch. Oh, Valentina, realness. The chicklet happily starts to take Eve's clothes to pack. Addison turns to go, but before he reaches off stage, she turns to see the chicklet hugging Eve's now very real Burberry coat and putting it on to look at herself in the mirror. Addison chuckles at the full circle. Does one elicit Edward's tongue click? And goes off. Blackout. Curtain call for everyone, which ends in a six-part harmony choral edition of Bad Blood by the entire company. It's been such a tease so far. I've needed it. Such a tease. The song ends and the entire theater is then showered with roses. The end. You know... Cheers. I think we can both agree that it's going to be a hit. I don't know if we we could both agree, like, if the revival, if we're going to enjoy the revival. But, like, the original hit... Like, the original <laughs> is going to be... So, so iconic. Yeah, iconic. Gay-conic. It's honestly... Biconic? Biconic? Yeah. All Bicocic? Of the, all of the conics. All really. the conic tonics. Yeah. It's... That was so beautiful. Like, I have tears in my eyes, and I don't know if it's because of the alcohol burning my throat, but... That was beautiful. That was that like hats hats off to you. And we both are wearing hats right now. We so are literally. You're wearing a hat. I'm wearing a beanie. We're, just, we're living our best lives right now. And listen, we've covered so much today. But like, have we? <laughs> I forgot. What a, fair, what a fair question. I forgot what we started with. But like, Margot already has an understudy. But like, does, does she? she? Um, no, we really did cover a lot today. I'm I'm honestly. You're, you're, you are a plethora of information. So no matter what, even if it is full of tangents, you are an encyclopedia and I am merely, I don't know, like a YouTube ad popping up to be like, do you suffer from herpes? Like <laughs> we should start coming up with our own fake uh, podcast advertisements until we get actual, until sponsors. we get actual sponsorship. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I've never even taken like an improv class, but let's just try this. Like, do you feel sad when you wake up? Do you wonder what it's all about? Do you think, why me? Then maybe it's time for you to try Perplexa. Perplexa is a new drug that has not been tested, except. 
I don't know. Currently, this episode is the Les Mis of podcasts. Like, yeah. you were, you're going to leave feeling, like, kind of sad. Like, that was a little too long. Um, but. But you'll be like, the voices were pretty good. And I really liked On My Own. But, like, if we're going to go for three-hour epics, I'd rather be Les Mis than Dr. Shivango. Oh, my God. You're so right. So with that, I'm just going to be like, On My Own. But something here's beside me. Maybe today we do Leia Solanga is on my own. <gasps> I would love for Leia to play. Actually, I would be honored to have Miss Solanga play us out today. So for next time, ladies and ladies, <laughs> this has been Broadway Breakdown. There's no, There was no real transition into this, but I think you all agree it's time. It's <laughs> This has been Broadway Breakdown. I've been Matt Coplick. I've been John Wiscavage, and our third host tonight has been Maker's Park. <laughs> so, Miss Salanga, if you will do the honors so we can go to fucking bed. Thank you. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.